Charm Diamond Centers. Okay, not bad, but remember, those three little words carry a lot of weight. Has to save 50 years of a family-owned business. Charm Diamond Centers. Dylan, think lifetime diamond guarantee, unbeatable pricing policy, stores across the country filled with experts who love love. Charm Diamond Centers. 0% interest financing, trade-up policy, easy payments. I need to feel that in your voice. It has to sound like Charm Diamond Centers. Wow, that was really good. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you, Lisa. Oilers Nation Radio, episode 145. I am Bag Milk here with Tyler, Rick, and Dan, and we are going to break down all things Edmonton Oilers for the next hour or so of your life. Before we get started, Tyler, did you say we we're going to get a new intro soon? Yeah, the whole, whole network's getting new intros. I've been hard at work. Ooh. Rewriting and rejingling. Was this part of stuff. Frank's? Was this part of Frank's contract? Like before he was going to sign with the team, he's like, "Hey, these guys need new intros. This needs to be fixed." Like we should get good, or we should get the Saravalli to voice our intros for us. And just get yeah, yeah. Frank like now that he's on the team, we need to get our we need to get our money's worth, and Saravalli yeah. voices everything we do now. <laughs> Even the stuff he's on, he has to intro and be like, "This is the Frank Saravalli podcast." It all has to start with. The, I have breaking news. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Into the show. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But first, I want to shout out our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant out in beautiful Sherwood Park, Alberta. It is time for a new vehicle. I've decided for you. You've been humming and hawing over the last few months or years. I can tell. I can feel it. I can feel it in my bones and in my spirit. And now it's time to head on out to Sherwood Park and get it. A new F-150 maybe, Dan? New Bronco? Mustang Any or, of 90, them. or 1987 of Ford Escort GT. Still looking for them. We're still looking for them. Maybe if you follow Sherwood Ford on Twitter at Sherwood Ford or on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant, you too can ask for a 1987 Ford Escort GT. Maybe you'll have better luck getting one than we will. Cause I'm just, I'm thinking that we're just holding up for Broncos now. They couldn't find the Escorts, but they do yeah, have the, the Broncos. Tough to find. They're tough to find. 1987 was a long time ago. Tyler wasn't even born yet. Nope. But the Broncos? Yes. Yes. So as we alluded to at the beginning, uh, big news for the network this week. We announced that Frank Saravalli joined the team. Wow. He will be doing all the stuff over at dailyfaceoff.com. If you know Daily Faceoff, it's probably your home for fantasy hockey, lineups, combos, all that stuff. But now with Frank in the mix, we are updating 
upgrades, Tyler. Yes, sir. It's going to be exciting. It's uh, my, I, we talked about this on real life more in depth yesterday with Frank spent like an hour with Frank too. Um, and he's going to be a bit more of a regular on this pod as well. He can stop by, give us all the ins and outs of what's happening and how it could affect the Oilers. But uh, my favorite part of his article is when he had a quote from an agent and uh, at the end of the quote, the article goes sources told daily face off. And I told Frank, whenever he breaks news online, he needs to do with like what Waj and Shams do in the NBA. Yeah, Waj bomb. Where he, when, yeah, when Frank comes in with a, with a Frank bomb, he needs to go like, the Oilers have signed Ryan Nugent Hopkins to a six-year deal worth $5 million. Sources tell daily face-off. I think he needs mm-hmm. to start doing that. It'd sound cool. <laughs> also, we're Frank explosion. Get, we're also going to have to get all that content up, uh, sponsored by Frank's Red Hot Sauce. So it's Frank's Red Hot Rumors, Frank Saravalli. We should sell the breaking news Frank does. Like this Frank bomb is extra spicy, brought to you by Frank's Red Hot Sauce. The Oilers have acquired once, Ricard Raquel. Once once Frank gets his once Frank gets kind of established, yeah, then it's like he gets his deal and he lets us know and we sell that to a partner immediately. We put it up for auction and the highest bidder comes in and they sponsor the Frank Explosion. The Frank Explosion. That's what we should nickname Frank Bombs now that he's a part of the nation. The it's a Frank Explosion. <laughs> the biggest mistake he already made this week is giving me his phone number so i will be hitting him up with frank explosion suggestions as soon as we're done here tyler as we start off the podcast i am turning to you for this week's sherwood forward giant question of the week welcome to frank saravalli big day big big, big day. day for the nation network this week's short for giant question. If you could have one day in Edmonton with Frank Saravalli, what activities would you plan with him? No, I'm kidding. Oh, you take him to the bat on 97th. You get him to push it around. Yeah. You know, that'd be really pint, nice. Pint for both lunch and dinner. Of course. Pint maybe well, uh, no, maybe brunch. After dinner. After oh, dinner. Just after dinner. Okay. You just want the party. Yeah. There's a plenty of nice places to eat, but yeah, let's come in and show him a little, uh, a little, a little night, um, uh, a little Saturday night action. Maybe a nice segue tour of the River Valley with Frank. That'd be really nice. He, he strikes me as a guy who'd appreciate the River Valley, and he'd also appreciate the pint. Uh, no, our actual you don't need board... the segways though, man. We got the we got the the, the little scooters Climbs. out there. We don't need yeah. segways. Oh, could you imagine all of us led by Sarah Valley scooting down Jasper? That'd be lovely. Short for giant question: The Montreal Canadiens <laughs> advanced to the Stanley Cup Finals with a win last night. My question is, the NHL is a copycat league. What can the Edmonton Oilers learn from this Montreal Canadiens team? What they can learn, Tyler, I'll start things off, is that uh, you need a goalie that can stand on his head and get like a 930 save percentage or whatever Carey Price is rocking right now because he has been sensational. He has been sensational. But one question I want to ask before we actually get to it is – Frank brought this up. We brought Saravalli up already. He brought this up yesterday on Real Life. Is it that the Canadians were so good or that the Golden Knights could not execute? Number two. I Yeah, I, it's, I it's don't a bit think of so. No. I think it's one. Same with the Winnipeg Jets. I, I think that's a part Although, of it, but also that's the part of going on a playoff run, right? Is that you just I, find 100%. ways to squeak out wins. Yep. 100%. Oh, and- and I mean, the Jets getting swept by the Montreal Canadiens, I think, was not indicative of their skill level. Us getting swept by the Jets was not indicative of our skill level. And the Leafs losing to the Montreal Canadiens in seven games probably was an indication of their level. It's just sometimes teams play better. And the fancy stats say that as well. Uh, at J Fresh Hockey had that out this morning that Montreal has played 
tighter than any playoff opponent since 2018. The fancy stats say that the Vegas Golden Knights expected goal for percentage 5v5 was actually 48.8%, which mm. is hashtag low. So, I mean, you know, I think you're right, Bag Milk, that goaltending definitely plays a role, but that team in general plays a system that they all just have bought into. And it's, and it is just, you know, they, they outwork you in every level of the, of the game. It's that four check. It's the, the defense, the team defense. It's the stuff that we talked about with this Oilers team that did really good. Our Oilers team did really good in our own end playing team defense, but then uh, otherwise it, it just wasn't there. And then your offense is, is demanded to do better than the other team's offense. And you know, they, they've, we've seen it with the uh, Montreal against, against Vegas. They absolutely shut down Vegas's offense. One thing that I will say for real uh, about this Montreal run is I think it shows that if you've got skilled young players that are ready to go, you got to give them a chance. Mm -hmm. Cole Caulfield was a scratch earlier in the playoffs. And it's just like to watch him now, it's just how would, how is that ever a thing? You know, and people talked about the size, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? That kid's playoff performer. And uh, another lesson I would learn, Tyler, I think, Careful who you trade. Careful who you trade. Nick Suzuki coming back to haunt the Golden Knights yeah. in that series. I like it. What did you guys learn? Tyler? Rick? Uh, I think I, I learned the importance of depth in team hockey. And I think that's something the Oilers should focus on. Like, yes, they need to get a high-end winger. But I think this puts an emphasis on, you know, don't just get Nuge and one other guy. Get Nuge, another guy, another guy, and another guy. And get ready to trade for someone at the deadline. And you need a full lineup. You need four lines that all have the ability to win their matchup night in and night out. So that when your top line falters, the second and third and fourth lines still give you enough of an advantage that you can grind your way to winning out a hockey game. And that's something the Oilers haven't had enough of. And we know how important depth was, but I think here as Oilers fans, we've always just kind of said, you know, the, the high end skill will always be enough. It'll be enough. You have that high end skill, but it won't be. I think you need to find a way to create a bottom six, whether it's young guys, old guys, whatever, a bottom six that can routinely win their matchups. Rick, what do you learn from that Montreal Canadiens? I think, uh, I think you guys both hit it right there. It's a little bit of the guys with the skates on their feet. They have to go out there and play the type of game that's going to get you a win in the playoffs. And it's not necessarily the type of game that's going to win you, get you wins in the regular season. Um, but at the same time, they need some help. And I think your GM has to uh, kind of give you the, the proper ingredients uh, to, to win these, these series. And then your coach actually has to address them and use everybody to their, their best of their ability. And I think we saw a little bit of a negative in all three of those areas this year uh, as the Oilers. And that's kind of why we were uh, out so quick. Um, yeah, I don't think they've done anything special. Uh, this type of hockey has won playoffs a lot. And until they change the officiating a little bit to open up the game for the skilled players, let them do their jobs properly. Uh, this is kind of what it's going to take because you're not going to get any help from the guys with the stripes on their arms. I know. I know we're talking about Saravali a lot, but what did he say yesterday? Tyler, although in real life, it was something like boring hockey is winning hockey or something. Was that his quote? Yeah, I mean, in the it's, playoffs, that that's certainly what it feels like a lot of the time, right? Is that if you can just sort of grind out and 
whatever, play a tight game and take the, take the risk that you're going to get the bounce. I know you're shaking your head down, but like, that is true. I, like you yeah. Just, I just, I just don't, I, and I like, I get what Frank is saying, but I don't understand putting down that style of hockey. It's just different. It's a different well, no style of hockey that wins a game. Well, I think by, by saying it's dumbing it down hockey, for sure. It's not, but it's not dumbing it down. It's, it's like, I, you see it with other sports too, right? It's a cyclical change of, of styles of hockey and the way that, that those teams are successful. It, it changes all the time. And it just so happens that right now the Islanders and the Habs are two of three teams in the finals, possibly in the finals that, that play that style of hockey. But I don't think that like Tampa Bay didn't play that style of hockey last year. They were, they were playing run and gun style. And, and that, that can be, I think, looked at down upon a little bit too, but it's just, I don't know. It's a cyclical nature of the sport. Sometimes they're successful. Sometimes they're not. If Carey price isn't playing like Carey price is playing this, this style isn't as successful as it is. Yeah. You need to well, have, I understand this, having team, a good system. Yeah. But I mean, you look at, you look at when the, Coming out, of the, coming out of the 80s and into the 90s, there was so much offense out there, right? And then all of a sudden, Devils started playing the trap game, which was dumbing it down. Like, yes, they had skillful players on the team, but if you were able to go in there and created a style to play um, a defensive zone where you don't need the skill, like, the same high-level skill that your opponent has, right? You can you start doing the clutching and grab. You start doing the, the, the trap type of, of mentality. I mean, they had it in basketball, and they took it out, right? They, they took out types of defense that stalled offense. And I think right now you're seeing that a lot. I think most, for the most part, you're trying to build a skillful team. But if you know you don't have that skillful team, if you know you don't have those top-end players, well, then right away you go to the Montreal version. I mean, this Montreal version almost didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Like, without the three points, without the, you know, without the, the overtime loss, like the OTLs, they're not in the playoffs. If the Flames would have beaten the in. Sens twice, they would have they won. Well, you know, yeah, man, I think, we're yeah. talking I think it was... Team that's played they played 73 games this year and they're under 500. Yeah, I think so, there's I, a team I was, in the Stanley Cup final under 500. I that saw that is this, sort of kind of dumbing it down. I saw that this morning where, um, I guess to further your point, uh, it was a Leafs fan that had tweeted out that if the games, if the Stanley Cup finals go seven games, the Habs will and win the Stanley Cup, the Habs will have won the Stanley Cup being below or not going 500. above 500 in, in, uh, in the entire be, season yeah, with their playoff and their yeah. regular season record. Where I'll agree with Dan is that like, I don't, I don't love the, like saying it's dumbing it down because playing this style of hockey is like hard to do. It takes an insane amount of buy-in from everyone on your roster. Cause if one little mistake and it's a high danger chance and things like that, like your, your margin of error is so slim when you decide to play that style of hockey and you decide, listen, we know it's going to be three, two or two, one or something insanely tight. And we're going to trust that we won't be the team to make the big mistake at a key moment. Like it takes a lot of buy-in. So it's impressive in a way. It's just not as exciting as if this was Colorado Tampa getting set to play for the Stanley cup. Well, yeah, it's not, I guess it's not as exciting to the, to the layman, but I think that all of us sitting here and most of the people listening to this podcast understand the, the game of hockey to that level of appreciating that we talked about it when the, when the Islanders beat the lightning in game one, it was like, that was the best game the Islanders have ever played this playoff and they won it by one goal. So Tyler, you're absolutely right. It's, that's that's ex- the exciting part to me is it's like, man, the Winnipeg Jets beat the Edmonton Oilers four games in a row and they beat us by one goal every time. There was one situation where one goal went their way. Three of those times it was in overtime and and that's the end of the series. So it, that that kind of stuff is beautiful 
in a sense, but yes, I appreciate what you're saying to the, to the common fan. It's not going to be as, as beautiful as a Colorado Tampa. Uh, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be as fun to watch either. Cause you'd like to watch two high offensive teams going out there, skating around, moving the puck around. Right? That's what we want to do when we're trying to take, um, clutching grabbing out of the yeah. game. Cause we want to open it up and watch this more skillful type of situation. Whereas this one's going to be a little more third gear where it's kind of grinded down. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of room to skate on uh, a lot, not a lot of room to skate on the ice. You know, you don't have a lot of time with the puck. There's a lot of dump and chase. It's not going to be a fluid. It'll be more choppy. And I think that's where it comes down to in the boring hockey. The other, the other thing I'll say about a playoff run like this and hockey in general at this time of the year, when those margins of error are so slim, sometimes the, the old school or traditionalist hockey fans, dire doggy fans, they almost like are embarrassed to admit how much luck is involved in this sport, man. Like to get on a run where you make it this far, you need so many bounces. Remember when the blues won the Stanley cup and a couple rounds before that, they were in a game seven overtime against the Dallas stars where Jamie Ben missed like a grade, a scoring chance that he scores 90% of the time. The St. Louis blues in their cup year were that close to being done. The Montreal Canadiens this year, game five against the Toronto Maple Leafs, they are on the verge of being eliminated. They just gave up a third period lead. It's going to overtime. They get outshot 13 to two in overtime in game five and win that hockey game. The Habs Habs were the tiniest of bounces away from being done in five games in round one. You need bounces and it takes a ton of luck to get to this point. And that's why I don't like when teams will be like, well, we lost in the second round again. We're blowing it up. Like it's fucking hard and you need to be lucky to get to where the Habs are right now. And they got right now, they got major team of destiny vibes because everything goes their way. How funny is it now with hindsight that, uh, that horrible cross ice pass attempt by Alex Galchenyuk, you know? Yeah. The one that led to this first <laughs> Suzuki Otegel. It's just, it's funny how you look back on it. And like Tyler said, I agree, man. Like bounces in hockey are you need them. so much of the game. They're so much of the game. And saves too. Big saves at key moments are a huge part of hockey. Like Carey Price made some 10 bell saves a bunch of times throughout this series. And then it just, it looks like, Vegas's forwards weren't able to do anything. And then I think Dude, part eight, of that gets eight in their seconds head. before this eight seconds before they scored that goal. Pacioretty's right on the hash marks in front of the net all by himself and couldn't score. You score that goal. We're going, you know, it's a completely different story. He couldn't get in. Carey Price made the save. He just needed your player to step up at the right time. And they got one, it. One thing I will say about teams that kind of play more of a trap style game is that I get what Frank was saying where he says it's boring. Hockey is winning hockey. And it is, you know, like the fucking trap works just because it sucks to watch a little bit. Doesn't mean it doesn't work, you know, clogging up the neutral zone works. Like I think what Montreal did very well is they looked at Vegas's game and they adjusted. They adjusted. Plus they got all the luck we're talking about. They got the saves we're talking about and Vegas couldn't score. That's just it, man. You know what? As much as, Cal- as much as Montreal did a great job and, and whatever, you need to look the other way and look at those top six and go, guys, like it's on you guys. I'm so, like Montreal, sure, whatever. Um, you can only expect so much out of that team, but you got to look at the other team and go, 
Sorry, like it's more of a negative for them than it is a positive for Montreal. So I saw there are some Vegas fans turning on it. Mark Stone did not have a great series, and there's some Vegas fans that were upset with him. I was cruising Twitter after. Oh, if if, uh, if if Vegas would like to move on from that problem, Mark Stone, <laughs> I know yes. a couple of GMs who might be very interested in that. Yes. Well, Vegas has like a has like a top seven basically that that they that they slide in and out with Alex Tuck as well as Pacioretty, Stevenson, Stone, Marcheso, Carlson, and Riley Smith. And none of those guys really blew the doors off of Montreal. I think a couple of them had like two goals, but but nobody so, really blew the doors off of them. So Vegas has been in on pretty much every big name ever since they came into the league. More or less. You know they're getting Eichel, right? Like we're, we're all going to accept that now, that Vegas just is going like, to make it work? We'll just be like, how? And then they move guy... X and guy Y and it just works. They have They're to be out of those types of players by now though. They have Petrolangelo is gonna be Petrolangelo is gonna get an allergy that he'll figure out at the end of the regular season next year, Tampa they, style. They need to clear up ten million dollars to uh to bring in Jack Eichel. They will do so by trading Robin Lanner or Marc Andre Fleury. Let's say let's say they move probably the more difficult one in, in Robin Lanner. There's five million off the books. Oh, Riley is Smith. It five or they, is it five or they got to eat some money there? No, I think they'll they'll find they can find a home for Leonard at five mil, uh, and then oh, Riley Smith doesn't have any trade protection at five mil. There you go; those two are in the package along with a first round pick, a second round pick, and Cody Glass. Bang! Just made your Eichel deal. Eichel's a golden knight. It's happening, man. I've just accepted the fact that we are going to get Eichel but versus McDavid. Is not like a is not a really 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 bad offer. Like a terrible not from if not compared Buffalo's to what GM, the reports are. That? Not compared Some, to what the reports are, though. The yeah. Columbus the Columbus offer was like Merzlikens, two A B level prospects, B and plus, uh, and a, F, a B plus, yeah, and uh, and a draft pick. The draft. I only, pick I only said B plus there because like they aren't really A's, but they're not like bad prospects. Yeah. They're like you know our equivalent of like Tyler Benson, um, or they'll throw in like Zach Whitecloud into the deal or something, right? Like they'll they'll find a way to make it work for for Buffalo. I, I have a funny feeling that's where he ends up. That's going to be a wait, wild team to watch. While we wait for the Jack Eichel trade to come through, I actually want to take our best guesses on where he's going to go after this. Uh, I encourage you to head on over to skipthedigit.ca. Get yourself something to eat this weekend. Make sure you're fed. Maybe, maybe you are above legal drinking age and you get yourself some pops. Huh? You don't want to leave your couch. Game seven tonight. Is it tonight? I think so. Right? Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yep. Game seven, Tampa, New York tonight. You don't have time to go to the liquor store. Skip the dishes. They're there for you. Skip the dishes. We have a weekend ahead of us with nothing to watch on TV to bag milk. So it's going to be a lot of binging and eating and skip the dishes will be there for you. Yes. There's the euro. There's the euro on early in the day. There is. Yeah. I I suppose. I don't watch any soccer. It's not my jam. It's yeah, not, I, you I know, watching, watching regular stuff is, but when it's, yeah. when you get to the, the round of 16 and almost any type of sport, it's fun to watch. There's the, the fans there go nuts and stuff, not to feel that coming through your TV. Well, and to bag milk's credit too. I know bag milk watches all the games for hockey. So that's a lot of time to be taken up at night. No, you don't watch all the games. Well, I have been lately. Like I watched, yeah, obviously I watched last night, like games <laughs> the, I watched tonight. The one a day. Uh, and that's on. the thing. There's going to be a Anything, gap now, right? Anything that goes to overtime, I'm turning on. Hundred um, percent. You're becoming a big Blue Jays guy, though, right? You're, you're all watching in on the Jays. Jays. Watching the Jays, I will say I'm more of a passive Jays fan at best. I like having it on. It's just yeah. that's the great thing about baseball is it's just to me it's like golf. You can have it on in the background and just go about your day, and then 
if you hear a voice come up a little bit or some applause or something, you can turn into it and see what's going on. I, or That's what's good about them right now is because if you have that on, there's so much excitement in the offensive side of that yeah. team that, you know, that'll bring you, I mean, you sit down and you watch six runs in the first inning yesterday. That's, that's fun yeah. to watch. You know, there's you can walk away for the rest of it. There's only three more runs, but yeah, it's there's, fun. There's nothing better than cleaning the house with a baseball game on. Cause like you can just sort of stop and like watch one at bat. Cause there's a runner in scoring <laughs> position. Then just like go back to doing your little tasks with the sound on. It's unreal. I also like, I'm a big fan of uh, baseball right now where the pitchers are taking their clothes off. That's fun. I like that. So good. Umpires are given like a nice little sweaty hair uh, head massage. I I can't believe nobody's tried to imitate the slap shot strip down in baseball style. Like that'd be so good. So just, I know this is a Oilers podcast, but now I'm on it. Like, so pitchers are taking their clothes off because they think they got some sticky shit. Is this just a new rule? Like, why is this happening right now? It's Tyler can speak to it better than I can. Yeah. So basically forever. Yeah, forever though, pitchers have used some combination of like sunscreen and sweat and rosin, which is in that little bag behind the mound to get a better grip on the ball. Hitters like it because they know they're not going to get plunked as much and they can predict where the ball is going. Pitchers like it because they get better spin. Well, you give them an inch, they take a mile. Pitchers have eventually started using other foreign substances, pine tar being on the low end of that and something called spider tack on the high end, which is like basically just (laughs) glue. You, it's glue you put on your fingers and it brings up the rotations on your ball to the point where some of these guys that are thrown in the high nineties, they're getting so much spin that when you're in the batter's box, the ball looks like it's going up at you. Like it's insane shit. So major league baseball finally said for some reason, randomly in the middle of this year, even though it's been happening for like five <laughs> years was like, Oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to cut this out right now. And now all the pitchers are fucked. They can't grip the ball. Umpires need to check the pitchers whenever an opposing manager can just go to the umpire and say, go check him again. Even if he's been checked twice already in the game, it's fucked. Baseball's fucked. But it's like, you have so- to admire, you have to admire their, uh, their ability and their desire to fix it mid season, because we clamor for that all the time as hockey fans. We're like, change the rules or change the way you call the rules in the middle of the season. But hockey never does it. No, but so, yeah, but baseball's just do it doing it because they're season. dumb. Like, I don't, yeah, it's, it, this should have been handled like two years ago and it wasn't. So, is there no penalty? Like, the, the other game again, the other day against Washington, yeah. he got, the pitcher got called like what, three, four times? Is there no sure, penalty three. for that? No, not right now. Not yet. It's not, it's not considered a challenge. It's not considered anything. <laughs> but baseball in their memo to the teams basically said, like, hey, guys, don't abuse this. All right. We don't want any funny stuff going on, but I love that they recognized that it was going to be an issue, but they were just like, now you guys all act properly. When we've had a team that has, that has to get there. We've had players taking steroids, but you guys, you be good. Okay. So let's imagine this pitcher put, uh, he's chucking a no, no at the time. If I'm the opposite, if the, if I'm the opposing manager, You're I'm just checking right. every third fucking batter. It's the old, straight. the old stick curve check. You just do yeah. that. The right Marty before overtime. Yeah. The damn Marty games. If there's no penalty for it and I'm a baseball manager, I'm checking the pitcher every other inning or twice Dude, an the, inning or that's whatever. the equivalent to a timeout. Yeah. That's like yeah. the, co- you remember the coach doesn't call a timeout. You're like, fuck that's three, four hits in a row. Can you go check that guy, please? All right, yeah. boys. Like, listen the there's fuck like, up here. We'll get, I'll get in his head for you, okay? I was just trying to find that there's a Twitter account that does all of the all of this the video of anybody getting checked for stickum. They <laughs> post it on that Twitter account. That's fine. I'm sure it's the same company that did the uh, the Astros cheated account too. 
Uh, I had I this. I want to see the compilation video. That's what's going to be fun to watch. I had this for later in the podcast. Since we're talking about umps in baseball, let's talk about refs in hockey. Again, this is going on throughout the playoffs. Tyler, you made an interesting point before we started recording where it was kind of like, we Oilers fans have been complaining about the refs basically since McDavid <laughs> stepped on the ice for the first time. And now it's interesting to see other teams get a dose of it in the playoffs, isn't it? Yeah, like we complained for years that like, you know, officiating is killing skill. Go watch Connor McDavid. Officiating is killing skill. We said it. He was pointing upstairs to Steve Kazar or whatever, right? We knew this was a problem for so long. And every other fan base was like, oh, you fucking whiners. Oh, yeah, just because you have McDavid, you should be treated differently. The refs already love you guys. You're a Canadian. But we heard it all. And now that the playoffs are affecting everyone in the play or the officiating is affecting everyone in the playoffs, it's a huge story. And it should be. The officiating in this sport has been wildly inconsistent for decades when you compare the regular season to the playoffs. And everyone is starting to sound like, you know, exactly what they made fun of Oilers fans for sounding like. But it's true. There needs to be a referendum. There needs to be a big ass meeting with the 10 best forwards, the 10 best shutdown defensemen, the 10 best referees, and the 10 most powerful executives. They need to sit in a room and rework how they're going to do this shit because you cannot continue to have the sport change as drastically as it does from regular season playoffs. Like my dad told me once after watching an Oilers playoff game, in baseball, when it gets to the playoffs, they don't suddenly say, you know what? It takes four strikes to get them out. You can't change your sport just because it's the playoffs. It's dumb. It's bizarre. It's barbaric. Yeah, I agree. Barbaric. We talked about Montreal a little bit earlier. Like Corey Perry almost got his freaking nose cut off, you know? And there is nothing. <laughs> There's, it's like, I don't like, I find it weird how much we're all defending and praising Corey Perry right now. It makes me really uncomfortable. But at the same time, if that happens to Leon Dreisaitl and that beautiful face gets banged up like that, I got a real problem. Dude, we're, how many years, how many years removed are we from dude losing the top of his finger? <laughs> Crosby, thought, yeah. Crosby cut someone's finger. Like, come on. Like, we got the cut on the nose, but we've kind of forgot the fact Like, dude lost part of his finger. And we're like, uh, at the end we of the do, day, we're like, okay with it. We do have there to proceed one with horrible, There's one horrible offside and all of a sudden the world changes for that. Dude loses his finger, and we're like, yeah, just keep rolling with it, boys. Just play out of hockey, baby. We do have to take proceed with caution, though, because we are heading towards that level of Vancouver Canuck fans where it's like, see, we told you. We told you it was all rigged from the get-go. Now, they're, they they have the, the tinfoil hat theories of, you know, Boston was destined to win the cup because the NHL had Gregory Campbell on the team or whatever nonsense they had, but we've got to be careful. Well, here's the thing. I'll counter that with Dan. The reality about Canucks fans is they're not actually fans of the team unless their team is good. So, they're fans of the moment of the I event. Someone, I saw someone the other day say that Vancouver could support a second NHL team. And I was like, they can barely support the one well, they have. Let's be fair. They're going to be supporting the Seattle Kraken, right? Ah, waka waka. And I, I was talking about this with Jay uh, a little while ago. Um, might have been on real life actually where if we planned it right and just the stars aligned we Don't could do an excited. ultimate nation vacation to seattle and get in multiple sports in a weekend like that would just be the best nation vacation where it's like oh, okay we're going to a mariners game tonight oh the, the crack guys, and play and the fucking then we're all awesome so. when does, ship. 
Oh, that's too bad because the Jays usually do a, a trip out to uh, Seattle, but I think it's August, so I think yeah. it's re- you know we're a little too early for that. You would that have to fun. do it. It would have to be at a in a year where like the Oilers play Seattle the season. In a, no exhibition game. It would have to be if you want to get baseball in there, right? Because baseball well, and NFL. Baseball's- Oh, MLB starts. playoffs. Oh, we can get 50 NFL. seats at an MLB playoff game. Yeah, but the Mariners suck. Touche. Touche. We'll go watch them at the first. Kingdome then when they were good. Yeah. So what are you saying, Tyler? We gotta, it's got to be preseason? I think it'd have to be preseason hockey would get you the end of regular season baseball, and it would get you NFL, and you could do all three in one. But we could skip baseball. Yeah. And then go, instead of going to a Mariners game, we go to that thing where they throw the fish. The Pike Place Market. market. Yeah. yeah, the market. We watch them throw fish instead. That'd be fun. Yo, yo, can you like tip them five bucks to whip it to you? I don't yeah, know the, if I'd well, I think you, I just think you have to buy the fish, I believe. I was there. Do they, they, I was does he throw younger. it to you like that, though? Do they whip it to you or do they hand it to you nicely? Because I'll pay the extra couple bucks if I get, I get to, like, to call it I fire eat. one my way. They eat it to you. Yeet. They yeet the fish. You got it. I'd like to run a route first too, perhaps like a four oh, nice. or a nine. Catch, catch the salmon over your shoulder. Just ah, a nice yeah. little corner pattern. Oh, I can see it. <laughs> what uh, a podcast back, we've got going here. Back to the, yeah, it's getting a little bit random. <laughs> back to the refing talk for a minute. Uh, I thought Ray Ferraro had an interesting quote yesterday on the Jason Greger show. He said, the popularity of the league will not grow in the current form. They have to have a plan moving forward. I don't want to see stars being mugged and headlocked all over the ice. You are dumbing down the game for those with less skill. Do you agree with Ray Ferraro? Because I do. Yes. There's no way to look at it. There's no other way of looking at it. Like, I don't need think to fix it's... it. Otherwise, not going to be. You're about to go into a U.S. market, which is probably going to be the biggest, as much as we don't like to say it, it's going to be the biggest market that's been in for a while, right? Um, you can't have this type of officiating. Who's going to take it seriously? Why would you get behind a team? Um, you got a big player in your city and now you see he gets, he gets treated terribly and the refs just turned out. Why, why watch that? See, I think Ferraro's personification there, at least it came off to me as like, he was saying, like, we're going to a thuggery kind of league. And I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think what we're heading towards is just lawlessness. Like you've got Kucherov, getting, law, but like, but like, okay. but like Crosby taking Crosby, taking off a fingertip. Like there's a superstar that they're supposed to be protecting, but he's actually one of the pieces of shit that took off a guy's fingertip. So I don't know. Like, it's just, there's just, there's a, there's so it's such a lack of accountability and it's, and you see it, you see it in every facet of, of the game. And, you know, I, I have a solution. I'm wearing the shirt right now. I was going to say you're wearing I, the shirt. I, I just believe that, you know, the league, since it removed an element of hockey or it's attempted to remove an element of hockey with the instigator penalty, hockey fighting was what stopped a lot of this ticky tacky bullshit that got dirty. There's still, there they was still even, ticky tacky stuff. I don't, I don't necessarily believe they that. didn't call instigator. They don't even call the instigator. Yeah, rarely but the instigator them. exists. So it's, it's that element of deterrent. I don't, I mean, it just it, it empirically is the numbers go down when they instituted the instigator rule. I do agree with you to, to, yeah, I do agree to an extent. Like we don't need to go back to the, and I love it more than, but I understand that yep. it's not healthy in the long run. So the exactly. snacks of the world and the right is ends and that's fair. But I do think that I do wish that, as much as we didn't like him here, um, there is still an element of the game where someone like Lucic could prevail. You know, somebody who still has a little bit of hat, could play a little bit of skill. You know, if ever could have a, t- a Tom Wilson, that'd be fantastic. 
But McDavid didn't draw more penalties with Lucic in the lineup. That didn't solve the problem, and it, and it won't. Like, you know, Scott no, Mayfield is isn't taking a, it easy on Kucherov because he's worried about Ross Colton or whoever the hell it is. But what's but what is happening to McDavid isn't isn't criminal. You know what I mean? Isn't yet at that level of you know. But it's not Kucherov. What, what happened to Kucherov? This, but what happened to Kucherov could as easily just as happened to McDavid. McDavid got McDavid flipped stuff. against Winnipeg and he didn't get called. Yeah. McDavid yeah, didn't hasn't McDavid hasn't drawn a single Neo. penalty in either of his last two playoff series. That was immediately. But, but don't the game you think? But don't Archibald you? Th- got suspended yeah. also, which is ridiculous. But don't you think that the player itself would be keeping his knee in a little bit had he known that Luch or somebody was going to do anything? Like that's if that was like crazy eyes twenty seventeen. You're probably not doing that because you don't want to but deal here's, with crazy I-17s. But here's, no. and after that, but here's where I go forward from anything. that. I think Rick's right, Tyler, and, and I and and I think I'm I think I'm extent. right too. But but I also think that there there is an evolution, and that's the thing is that we have to find the next step. I don't know if it's the Department of Player Safety myself, just because they've shown an ineptitude to be able to solve a lot of these issues. But there has to be a solution. And again, it sucks to be the person that's just saying it's all wrong. And here was the old solution of hockey fights. And I agree that there needs to be a new solution. And I don't necessarily believe it's just let's bring back George Zorock and Derek Bugard and that'll fix everything. But there is a solution that has to be found and it's up to the league to figure it out. The solution well, is tell the refs to call the rule book. I was going to say, let's solve, this, let's solve this right now, boys. If you got a magic wand and you're sitting in that 10 by 10 by 10 or whatever Tyler said for a committee, what is your, what is your fix? Mine, I'm with Tyler. It's call the rule book. I think it's, it's called the I, rule book. That's fine. But I'm not taking that. I'm not as a coach or as a, as a team, or I'm not going to over penalize somebody who skates by the bench and goes, Hey, listen, you guys keep fucking doing that. I'm not coming for you. I'm going to take out your little buddy over here and we're going to go, you know, eye for an eye. It doesn't have to be like an automatic swing to the head or something like that, but it, you got to skate by the bench and look at that team and go, Hey, listen, when, when, um, what's his face when Kachuk was going crazy here at the beginning of the year, you know, you skated by the bench and told him, told the, listen, I'm not coming for you. I'm going to go find your buddy, Johnny. I, my solution is, um, I've, I've talked about it before on this podcast. I listened to another podcast called uh, Against the Rules with Michael Lewis, and he did a really good piece on what the NBA did to fix their officiating. And I think the NHL could learn a lesson from them. And it was, they create, the NBA created a new war room where there's just referees that are watching the game and they, if there's anything egregious that they see, they can radio into the referees and let them know. But, but the big, the big point and the big reason that they created this was to have the referees be accountable for themselves. And so they can help each other by saying, okay, this is what you missed in this quarter, or this is what you missed in this half and work together with the referees. Because right now, the way that referees look, I feel like the way that referees look at with video review is it's the, the eye in the sky and it's going to make them look stupid. And what they need to be looking at with video review is a way to get better. And, and yes, you can tell them to call all the penalties they want, but, I think that the more important thing is catching the stuff that they're missing and to help them build the tools to be better as referees going forward. I think you need to get before that and fix it and just make them better at their jobs coming in. I don't know exactly how you do that. If there's some sort of massive training course you have to go through, but I think when it comes to the, we don't want more review. We don't want more review. What we want is the guys on the ice. Dude, the refs have been staring at guys. 
staring at him and watch a dude get punched in the face and not call it. A review is not going to change that. But that's that where the accountability right, element referee. comes in, though. But okay, but I want to go before that too, and just have them like coming in. There's a new standard of of yeah. there's new standards. You got to meet this, or you go. You know that, that there is. Or you no get relegated. No, yeah, Relegate refs. Well, that that is that is a, that is a shocking element to me is that there's there like everybody says that the referees they earned their job, they earned their position. Relegate them. But it's the same seven or eight referees every year, and it just usually goes by longevity. They don't have a lot of rookie referees in there that are you know young upstart whippersnapper referees that have been calling the queue really well. It's it's a lot of guys good. that just have called. But that's because they not are. Good. They're not. There's they're good not young they're referees in this country. But there's very few of them, actually. What they're doing is turning hockey players into referees because they can skate and keep up out there. There's a the, the Being a ref, just like being an umpire or anything else, that is dwindling these days. It is not fun to do that as a 14, 15, 16-year-old. Yeah. You're getting absolute shit on. You're getting Rick shit is in on the stands yelling at you. I was bad when I was younger, <laughs> when I was, my little brother was playing ball hockey, and I don't remember how old I was. But after that one, was I shut up after that hey, in, minors, in minor sports. In my I, respect, I yell at the prospects. Well, I'm paying, the River if Hawks, I'm paying for the ticket, if I'm paying for the ticket, well, part of that you can take part of your money and buy earplugs. I'm here for a reason, but no, like it's just not fun. So, right, so building it up from from a child who gets to turn into a referee, that just I don't think that happens anymore. They're legit going out and trying to find hockey players because they can skate and keep up out there and try to reteach them. We need to get to the 14, 15 year olds and figure it out and bring them up in in like a system, like Hockey Canada. Like there's got to be a system. You've got to go through, you know, checks and balances. You got to go through the training every year. That's how you get this fixed in the long run. You're not going to fix it tomorrow because you're this almost. I'm, I don't know what you do right now. You got to bring them up. Asking, you got to get them on the young. I think we're asking the kids of today to turn into narcs. You know, we, we need, need the NHL to reach out and need the NHL to go out and above themselves and go out and you know start to bring these kids in because it's going to help them in the long run. Don't play hockey, kids. Rat out your friends that do. <laughs> I think that's you're the just, lesson. You're just counting. You're, you're just keeping them accountable. That's all. I don't know what the answer is to the refing situation in the NHL. I don't know what it is. I don't think it's going to change. They're bad. They're very inconsistent. It's like it's funny to me that it turns into eventually. I don't remember a time when we've ever seen the Hockey Night in Canada panel do this many segments on how bad the refs are. Not with Ron McLean on it. That's for sure. It's really also- weird, isn't it? I also don't remember a time where a referee has been like criticized by name as, as ruthlessly as <laughs> yeah. Chris. Well, Lee. But, but you, but you're a young man, Tyler. There was a time where the names were on the back of the jerseys. Yeah. yeah. And those guys got, those guys got articles written about them. Yeah. Like they okay. were, it was vicious. So, and that's why so they took since it away. the names got taken off the art, the backs, like Chris Lee yep. is getting fucking ripped by everybody. Like He's showing up in beams. I yeah. It. It's uh it's, it's pretty wild. I, I'm a little surprised, but um, yeah. Let's get the names on the back of them jerseys again, then. There's way more cameras out there now, right? So in the 80s, you didn't see that stuff. Now we have 19 different different angles out there, and you can find everything. Nobody gets away with anything on on that ice anymore. It's almost funny to think about how, you know, in the 90s or whatever it was, I don't remember when they went to the two-ref system. There was only one for a long time, forever. There was only one. Do you think it was the 90s? I don't remember. I'm remember. trying to think. It's, I'm going to like the when we were playing the stars in like 97 and 98. Yeah. I'm going to say it's one. 
I don't remember. It might even be the early 2000s. It could be. It could be. If you know the answer to the question, hit us up on radio podcast. In the meantime, head on over to cornerstoneins.ca and look at all of the glowingly wonderful insurance products here for you. On the left-hand side of the screen, they've got a button for citizens of the nation. Get yourself a little discount. For 90 years and four generations, Cornerstone Insurance has been a family and employee-owned business here in Edmonton, and they are here to help with whatever insurance products you may need. All right. I'm tired of talking about the refs. We've barely talked Oilers. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it, Tyler. That's on them. That's on them. They have not given us very much to talk about. We can still sneak out a couple of segments here, but they are forcing us to talk about the Blue Jays. They're forcing us to talk about the referees. Hopefully this is going to change soon. Listen, if somebody in, uh, at OEG wants to start taking their clothes off after like a, some kind of ref call or whatever like they do in baseball, then let's talk about it. <laughs> in the meantime, though, a couple of housekeeping items, nothing crazy. Mark Messier signed a multi-year deal to be on a part of ESPN's hockey coverage. That came out yesterday. Uh, I think that's interesting, you know? One network gets Wayne. The other one goes for the moose. Who wins? I don't know. But it makes I, sense to me. It's like if you're going to try and grow the game, you pick guys whose name you know, even if you don't know anything about the sport. And I feel like Mark Messi is one of those guys. Here's what, I'll, here's what I'll say about this is this might grow the game with an older audience in the States. But this isn't, in my opinion, going to do a ton to grow the game with like people These younger guys, than me in the States. And I'm not sure how... They don't speak that age, uh, no, you know, a 16 year old who's never but, watched hockey before won't know who they are. And I'm not convinced I, as a diehard hockey fan and someone from Edmonton who knows Messi and Gretzky, I would love to listen to their takes on the game and hear it. I'm not sure if they're like natural TV guys, Messi, maybe, but I don't think Wayne is going to be like dropping in some witty comments and giving you great insight on stuff. I, I'm just not sold on it. But I think it's exactly these, what you said. These are guys for the older generation to bring them in. They're like, oh, sure. I know that name. I know that name. And then I think the hope would be that if fucking 53-year-old Carl is sitting down to watch a Carolina Hurricanes game, he's got his uh, kid there with him, you know? And Rick but like, a guy like Messier has been good in television commercials, pop culture. Those Lays commercials? He's in that Tide commercial that's randomly. Seven, seven seconds at a time. It's so much. No, but, seven but scripted that's, seconds. But, but so here's the thing. So he's, got, so he's got some good comedic delivery. I think he's, he's one of those guys that actually will be good. I agree with you completely on Wayne Gretzky. I love Wayne Gretzky to death, but the, the knock these- I feel like has always been against him is that he can see the game differently than anybody else. And he's not necessarily the best at explaining that to other people. That's why it didn't work out with the Arizona or the Phoenix coyotes at the time. It's just, it's hard to explain to a third line grinder, how, how he sees the game. And I don't know if it's going to be that easy to explain to a television broadcast audience. I heard a really good secondhand story about regrets when he was in Arizona. I, there was obviously a player from Edmonton. I was out there. And they got shut out after they got shut out, whatever, three game, three periods, no goals. Gretz came into the dressing room. How the fuck can't you guys score one goddamn goal? <laughs> like, and I mean, this is probably whatever year. So it, it's not great offense at that time either, right? Like, I think what just is so easy and comes so naturally to him that I don't know, it's very easy to teach that or, you know, accept the other. He also said when he's, when he retired, he's like, I'm not playing like alumni games. And he's played very few of them. Because he felt he didn't want to play hockey unless he's playing against the best of the best. 
It's like Elon Musk trying to teach me physics. You know, <laughs> we, I, I mean, maybe it's cause it happened at like when I was younger, but I quite often forget that Wayne Gretzky head coached the Phoenix Coyotes. What an odd time in the world. <laughs> yeah. And, and didn't get paid his full bill. Yes. Well, I think they've got to have that. They had to have that settled up by now. Oh yeah. Like, he went, he, he went dark. He, back. he went dark until that's they did. Long time I, the game. I, I wonder if old Daryl had to step up and make up some of that coin here to get Wayne back in the NHL picture. Do Maybe you I'm remember not Tyler Wayne Gretzky as a St. Louis blue? No, no, I barely remember Gretzky's playing. I don't remember Dude, Gretzky's was, playing. It career. was eight days he was there. That guy was there for like well, a cup of coffee. The list of teams that wasted Wayne Gretzky's talent is long. The Rangers, right. the Kings, the Blues, right. mm-hmm. all of them wasted Coyotes. his talent. Won no championships with him. Uh, what else I got on my list? Oh, yeah. Oscar Clefbaum, not exempt from expansion. The league released a list of who is exempt from expansion, and I was looking through it, and there's – outside of Michael Furland, everybody hasn't played in forever. Like, Henrik This Zetterberg is a good thing, is though, isn't it? This is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. This doesn't allow you to pull some sort of weird Tampa Bay fucking – skirt around the the the, the uh, salary cap issue like well, okay, no could, literally he could be if this guy could play in the next year and a half and yes he's a part of this kucherov when he got hurt last game there was so many jokes coming out already about how he's like oh he'll be good for game one of the playoffs next year no, don't worry about it um but no clef bomb exemption sorry Oilers fans i just i can't help but shake the idea that this clef bomb thing is just one of the biggest kind of items hanging over the team right now it's just we need an answer it is there's no denying it but i think they know more than it's out there and that's good we don't need to know i don't want any i don't want to getting out to another team that he's this that or the other thing i want everybody to have a massive question mark over it and to be about four people involved in it and they can tell us once you know the the uh the lists are out and whatever after that tell us whatever you want at that point um but at this point i don't want to know a damn thing because if i know something then guys who out there can hurt our team can know, know something too. So I want three or four people to know, and that is it. I like that. Keep your shit tight. Uh, other thing this week, and I want to talk to you guys about the reaction because this is very <laughs> Oilers. Um, on Twitter, our friends at Puckpedia were asked a question about Matej Blumel, who was a 100th overall pick in 2019. And Puckpedia responded, the Oilers had until June 1st to sign him, and they didn't. So he's no longer their player anymore. He was drafted out of the UC or USHL, sorry, but is not a major junior player, college player, or player drafted from Europe. So they only had two years to sign him. Now, normally a fourth round pick doesn't really draw too much of a reaction when a organization decides not to sign them, but that isn't how things go here at Edmonton. You know? <laughs> That's just not, I was cruising around Twitter a little bit. I wrote an article about it on the nation. Dan threw it into our group text for news and he's just like, Hey, here's something I noticed. So I wrote about it. Boys, the reaction for not signing blue Mel, blue Mej, blue. I don't even know how to say his name. Blue Mel. Blue Mel. The reaction for not signing Blue Mel was hilarious. Like, wow. Well, yeah. So when I saw it, I, I thought, first of all, I thought, wow, okay. That's that's a strange transaction uh, just because I've covered the prospect update. And Blue Mel was, has been featured a few times. He's had some good weeks uh, in my statistical prospect update. But 
the reason I threw it to the group chat was just because, yeah, I, I, us weather fans, we love to eat this stuff up. And we love when there's a perceived, you know, misstep by the organization, uh, you know, and bag milk, you pointed it out before we got on air. He's, he's still available. He's still a free agent. No team has been like, Oh, blue bell free agent. I'm going to grab him. So there's that. Uh, but yeah, when you give up on a 20 year, one year old before his entry level contract <laughs> status is over, it's always going to throw a turn, a couple eyebrows. And that's what it did. Uh, you had an NHL E of about 22. So if you're wondering what kind of offense he may produce in the NHL, somewhere around there. I was going to say, yeah, he's, he's a defensive 20, specialist. Sorry, NHL too. Uh, that uh, like 22 points is kind of what they expect. If yeah. he kept on his trajectory, yeah, that's based his on his, end. based on his performance in the Czech league. Yeah. He's a really good defensive player. Con- That's all it is. Oh my god! They can still sign him. <laughs> <laughs> He's still a free agent. Well, so like, can all the other thirty-two. <laughs> can we talk? About, can we just talk about how many people like looked at the team? And, oh, you guys didn't even notice. Yeah, I was just like, going to say how many. How many of those people? Fucking, how many oh. of those people could have said would have listed Matej Blumel as one of the fifty contracts? Yes, last year. But they're also. But they're also saying like the team didn't know. Like they didn't well, know that's, that's gonna happen. Oh, they, well, you don't know that. Well, the element is the that's the funny element is that the social media was posting about him the day after his rights expired. That's the that's the, the same day actually. To. So, oh, yeah, sorry. What, the thing that I would counter with is what's more likely that the Oilers gapped on a prospect that they may or may not want to sign, or is it more likely that the social media team just didn't know and they had him on Perhaps a list? They didn't or something. send the email. So, like, there's so many things. It's Maybe so they po- you guys, you guys do this stuff, isn't there? Like scheduled posts all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. All yeah. So it's going out there already, Never. and then you know, and <laughs> what kind of timing is involved? Like, it's just it's it's so, so all funny. the people that overreacted. Like, I'm I terrified for the people and their families. Like, is this what you do normally? Like, a, you drop a Slurpee to like, the end of the world? Like, I don't understand. Ken, why hey, hey, what kind of Slurpee? So upset. Ken Holland like, doesn't one of those run ones with all media. the different kinds. All the different kinds. Hold on. Pepsi or Coke. Tyler, can you confirm that? That Ken Holland doesn't run the social media? I can know that. How do you know that? He may. Oh, man. Some people. I do actually know. Maybe he's just just dipping in, trying to stay uh, stay in touch with the fans. An Oilers Nation exclusive. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine? All the other teams do have their GMs running the account. The Oilers are the only one that hires somebody from outside. Like Dan, though, I also know who it is that runs the Twitter account for the Oilers, and I guarantee that she probably just didn't know. She probably just didn't know. Exactly. Schedules, you know. I, but I, also, but also had no ability to fix that mistake. By the way, let's just throw that out there. Why too. do you change it at that point? I just like who cares? Why change I, it at that point? I like uh, her bio on Twitter: social media manager for the Edmonton Oilers. Not sure who's starting in net. And I think that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> also, a couple of days ago was the anniversary of a post for the Toronto Blue Jays where they sent out a thing being like, Justin Smoke will not play today. And someone replied and said, is he been traded? They said, no, it's lower back tightness. And the person responded to the official Blue Jays account and said, source? Question mark. Oh, that's a, that was such a good day in history. <laughs> where are the Blue Jays? Literally us, the Blue Jays. <laughs> uh, I love social media for that reason. I love Oilers fans for our overreactions about absolutely everything. I also love You mean like a certain are... defense for coming up? Yeah. I also love the people who are always like, oh, it's some some little intern running the social media <laughs> department. It's like, yeah, this multi-billion dollar corporation or whatever has an unpaid person running their Twitter, I'm sure. 
in 2021 when it was yeah, that vital. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Oilers fans overreacting. Uh, boys, we had a couple of questions left over from last week's segment. Again, I brought it back from North by North Gretz. We've been around for a while. Maybe that's a name you haven't heard for a while. Welcome. Ask the Idiots. If you have a question for Ask the Idiots, send it to us. Hit us up. Owen Radio Podcast. Or just hit any of us up on, on social. Just say, hey, this is for Ask the Idiots. I got a question. We'll write it down just like I have these written down. Gentlemen, this first one comes from M. McKinnon. M. McKinnon. Sorry, Dan, it's not Nathan McKinnon. He's not hitting us up for Ask the Idiots. How much cap space should the Oilers leave themselves for the upcoming season for acquisitions as well as re-signing players next offseason like Nurse? Who wants to jump in on that? So the, the those question are two is... Different, those are two different things, though. Yes. Because you don't like you can spend whatever and then still and then in the offseason get more money from nurse. So I say going into this one, two and a half-ish, maybe that gets you if you're making a trade near the deadline, that gets you a pretty it leaves you one really big name or two fairly decent paychecks. Yeah, for me, there's no reason to be going into this offseason and saying, like, oh, we we gotta leave five million dollars for when we need to sign nurse and pull Yarvi next year. Like one, Darnell Nurse is already making 5.6. So his raise is going to be like, what? Two and a half. Max a $2 million raise to bring him to a $7.6 million player. So you don't actually have to keep that much money aside for him. And my opinion, you don't have to keep any at all. You'll make that work next year. Um, if they are worried about it, though, you know, maybe you just sign a, a one-year deal with someone, right? Instead of going and signing a bunch of multi-year deals, that's one way to play it safe. But I don't think the Oilers can afford to go into this off season and be like, Oh, we got to worry about, you know, a couple years down the road here. I think they need to be spending to the cap this off season because you need to turn yourself into a cup contender here. This is the summer where Ken Holland has all the flexibility in the world. He's got money to make some moves. He's got some prospects, some draft picks. He can do some damage this summer. And I don't want to hear any excuses. And to me sitting there going, we got to wait for Darnell's contract. That's an excuse. I don't want to hear it. I agree. Okay, but what about what about my two two and a half there? So you can make an ac- accusa- accusation acquisition um, come the deadline when we know most of those teams pick up a player or something like that. I, I like guess. yes, five is definitely too much. But and you any, what about if you got like injury type of situation? Is there a site? Well, the, the there's got to be mark, like a bit of a the big question mark is the cleft bomb number, right? Whether that goes to LTIR or not. But yeah, I I. I, I would say anywhere from two to three million dollars this offseason. The thing, the answer for the next question, though, also includes the fact that for next year we only have five forwards on the books and two defensemen. And they're Broberg and Bouchard, no goalies. So, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of the goalie space, co- the goalie work to be done next year. The goalie agreed, agreed. But I'm just saying that there's a lot of question marks that are still left to be answered. That's a good question for maybe the start of next season. Yeah, but the, yeah, I'm going to say I'll go. I'm just going to say if they have a couple million bucks, like in that, like, great, you know, otherwise they'll like, they'll have to find a way to tap dance it a little bit. Like, you know, how does Tampa? Two million. And that's exactly it. Like, even if you spend the cap to start the season, you need to be a good enough organization to figure it out. If you're making a big move at the deadline for a forward, then you need to tell the other team, Hey, you're taking Kyle Turris, by the way, or like, Hey, you're taking Chris Russell, or you're doing something like that to make the money work. I just, 
I I'm still remember the year where they, you know, traded Eberly and all that made all those moves. And didn't they go into that season with like five to $6 million in cap space? Cause it's cap space. Cap sp- we're, we're cap saving space it for the deadline. The- and then you're out of the fucking race and you're yeah. like, Oh shit. That's cap why we had it. We had he a giant monkey in the at, office. Yeah, uh, Cap Space is living upstairs at the office. Yeah. That was Dan's addition to the Christmas gift exchange that so, year. Yeah. Giant monkey named Cap Space. If, if the option at the end of this, let's say we're three weeks into the offseason and the Oilers have $3 million left. They've made some big moves and all this, and they're sitting there, and Thomas Tatar is still on the market. Spend. And he, and he goes, I'll take $3 million on a one-year deal to play for you. Spend. And Ken Holland better not go... Sorry, I'm saving that for a hypothetical that's, deadline move. Spend. Oh, no. that's spend, fair. spend, that's spend, spend. Next up, we got Josh checking in. What do the Oilers do about the goaltending problem, or who do they sign? Who or look to try and acquire? One more time. I fucked that up. Josh, I apologize. What <laughs> will the Oilers do about the goaltending problem? Who do they sign or look to get? Anybody? Like we've said Merzlinkas a bunch of times. That'd be a fun one. I don't know how realistic that is. I haven't really looked at the UFA goalies who's out there this year. Peter Morazic, we've mentioned. Uh, Grubauer would be excellent, but I just can't imagine he leaves Colorado. Frank Cervalli said on the DFO rundown, or I uh, know he told us on Real Life, sorry, that he thinks there's a chance he gets to market. Like Colorado might be yeah. that cap strap. Um, I, I did this, I did an article about this on June 21st on the nation. So I can rattle off the names I had there. Uh, the free agents in no particular order. I had Philip Grubauer, Peter Morazic, Linus Allmark, Chris Drieger, Frederick Anderson, and Antti Ranta. Um, and then on the trade market, I had Alexander Gorgiev, Elvis Merzlikens, and Darcy Kemper. If I had to pick out of that list, my dream trade scenario would either be Kemper or Merzlikens. And on the free agent market, I would love Allmark. I would love Grubauer, but he's going to cost you more than six mil. Um, I think Marazic or Allmark would be really good targets or Anderson on the free agent market. Dan, do you have a goalie that tickles your fancy, my friend? Well, it was Tuka Rask, but he's, uh, he's mentioned that he's either going to not play ever again or be a Boston or Bruin. Boston. So, yeah. um, so for me, yeah, I, I thought Tuka Rask would be a sneaky good pickup for this team to kind of bridge that gap into the, into the kids that we have coming up. Um, if you brought but, him in, what would, what's your tandem if you brought him in? Him and Smith. Him and Smith? Him and Smith would have been, yeah, for this year. But that's but that's a moo point now because it's over. Uh, I don't know. Like the the other than the other than those common names, the guys that I would be I would I would be open to talking to is a Devin Dubnik. Uh, what I would? Yeah, I absolutely would. I would. Have love you to have looked Dubnik. at his numbers over the last couple of years? <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I'm 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 a fan of Dubnik's. I think he's a I think he's a solid goaltender as long as he gets you out tall of guys, you, you tall guys all stick together. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dan, absolutely. he hasn't had a save percentage over nine hundred since twenty eighteen. Okay. And he's also playing play, on he also play, who do you play? I was just gonna say who do you play for? Minnesota and San, San Jose o- and then San Colorado. San Jose and Minnesota. And then Colorado. He did nothing in Colorado because he wasn't given a chance. We didn't get any time. He got a little bit at the very end. He was Grubauer's. He was behind Grubauer. That's just, it is what Grubauer got hurt. I'd be open to talking to a Devin Dubnik. Rick, anybody that tickles your fancy while Dan's Dan's talking Devin Dubnik? (laughs) I'm saying off the list. That's off of the list of the big guys. I like how just like, that was one of the only thing that perked Tyler up throughout this whole podcast. I just saw his eyes. (laughs) He's been yawning. He's been yawning like 13 times (laughs) until Dubnik's name got brought up. I, again, 
I'm going to get to me and Dan disagreeing in hot and cold performers. I have something to say about it there, but like, Dan, I, how can you look at all the names that are out there and be like, I want to sign the 35 year old. I literally prefaced it. I literally prefaced it with the guys that you listed being uh, going off of those, those names. Cause I didn't want to say Peter Morazic. Like, I, I don't know. I, I was just saying that there's a guy that I would actually look at still. James Reimer is another guy I would still look at. Is that going to upset you? James Reimer isn't as as bad. No, I. I he would <laughs> have to be like David Ayers. Let's go get David Ayers. Dad. Yes, I'm oh, interested in looking him too. In the ice, if he's but, not playing. But here's the thing, and I talked about this last year when we talked about signing Mike Smith. He's Mike Smith to me still should be your Plan J, your Plan L. You know, like that's that's a guy that you get down to that list number at and say, okay, yeah, now we can talk. But but. The, the Koskinen situation to me is is more pressing because of that, because they keep talking about this stupid Mike Smith contract that, that we're going to offer him of $2 million. Yeah, but he's going to be – like that's that's not the issue because if Mike Smith is your goal, is one of your goaltenders, that's not the end of the world. It's all about who the next goaltender is. And well, they got to figure so out what sure. they're doing with Koskinen. Whatever, they can figure that out. They'll get – honestly, he's not going to be here as – I just, yeah, there's, you got to have to move on from that somehow. You, whatever, figure it out. That's your job. You get paid a lot of money to figure it out. Um, I don't know if there's a UFA out there, though. I don't think the UFA is the way to go. I've got one for I you. The, Nobody's talking about him. Uh, he's a little bit older. Ken Dryden, very successful with Montreal. You give him the right <laughs> chance. What? Did you see the same percentage? He hasn't made a save in three decades. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There, there's nobody more books out there, than he's man. Made saves. The UFAs, I don't think there's really anybody out there in terms of what you can, of what we need. We need someone who can come in here at 25, 26, 28, 29, you know, like right in that age category. That's how What about Dave Three Ridge? years, four years. Hey, wait, sorry, Rick. We're getting them out of here. Rick, uh, outline, yeah. your, outline your criteria for what, you, for what you want in a UFA goaltender or what you'd want. Oh, what's yeah, yeah, yeah. age category is about you know he's got to be in that in that prime of his career. He's got to be in the Connor. You know, obviously he can be a couple of years old and be around you know around twenty twenty nine. He's got to be here for about three four years because we do have some guys come behind yeah. that we do have some question marks about, and they're very well could be good goaltenders. Um, we need someone to get by the next three or four years. There's going to have to be a, a legit number one who's ready to roll, and because we are right now, we're in a in a time period where we have to win right now. So there's no more messing around with older older goaltenders. We need yep. to go find a guy who's a four year. Like that has that has to be number one right now. I agree with you. And but I don't think you can say that than say there's no one on the UFA market. Peter Morazic's 29. He's shown now that he can be a number that one goalie. That blows my mind. I feel like he was playing for the. He should be 40. Red Wings when Iserman was still there. Yeah. But Morazic's 29, <laughs> coming off a year where he had a 206 goals against and a 923 save percentage. He only played 12 games. He was banged up. That might mean he comes a little bit cheaper than you'd expect. All Freddie what Andrews, kind of injuries did he have? What kind of injuries? I, I, I don't know off the top of my head. Because it's like an abdominal, like groin type of stuff. You want to stay away from a guy like that. If you know it's something, that, you know, sure. like finicky stuff, that's fine. Freddie Anderson's only 31. He can give you three, four years of being, being an NHL goalie. And before this season, he was consistently around the 918 range. Freddie Anderson can get, be that guy. Uh, Chris Drieger, 27 years old. He's only had one year in the NHL. So maybe you're scared. He's, he's not going to make it to UFA, right? He's going to get moved. Well, you can be the team who makes a move for him. 
Uh, great fire, yeah, yeah. Um, and the last name is uh, Linus Allmark is probably the, the Linus Allmark should be their target. He's 27 years old. He's put up nothing but good numbers on a team that has been nothing but dog shit in his time there. Like Buffalo's fucking awful, and he still puts up good numbers. Allmark is 27, and he's a UFA. He should be their guy. Yeah, but I think okay, sure. that's that the type of goaltender that I'm going for. That's that's fine. Isn't, okay. he the, isn't he the one that everybody's kind of sniffing around at and, and probably going to have that number go up higher because of exactly what you said, Tyler, that, that Buffalo I wouldn't is be surprised by that. way worse? How yeah. high can it go? And then he's going to have the same situation where a guy like Nuge is going to have like, yep, there's going to be teams offering you more, but do you want to win or do you want to go back to a Buffalo situation where you're going to make some big-ass money? But you're not gonna your your team's not gonna be great. Do you want to go win? And like, listen, who do you want us to call? I can give Connor the phone. I can give Lee on the phone. Like, who do you Wayne Grant? Like, you well, want not Wayne players, anymore? Old players? Are we still allowed to get Wayne <laughs> to make sure. calls for us? That's a good question. Yeah. I'd love to know if Wayne's going to make calls for us. You're damn right, he is. Uh, this Dude, one comes I, in... I almost guarantee. Oh, he's gonna have to be working. But he, if I saw him in a box come the next playoff run, I would not be surprised. Oh, he'll, he'll be there for sure. Uh, producer Clark with our last question. Ask the idiots again. If you have a question, hit us up. ON Radio Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, or just hit us up on our personal socials if you like. Ask the idiots. Last question comes in from producer Clark. What is Stuart Skinner's ceiling? Does anybody have a guess on that? I'm going to say I have no guess because goalies are voodoo. I have no idea. I agree. Yep, I'm right there with you. I think right now he's on track. He had a, uh, a really good year last year. Um, so I think expecting him to take the next step is fine. Um, but I have no idea after that. I, 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 the only knowledge I have of him is statistical and it's just watching the trends to the prospect prospect update. He's been up and down this year more than previous years. That's the only thing I can say. Other than that, I don't really Did have, he have a 12 game anymore. win streak this year. Yep. Or was that and last then he had season? A, and then he had a couple games where he got, or no, that was last season. Sorry. Yeah. But there was, there was a couple stretches with the condors this year where it was like lights out hockey. And then they, and then they fell off and they were looking like they may not even make the playoffs. And then they came back and they won the AHL playoffs. Remember that Rick? The what? The AHL playoffs. They won them all. Remember? <laughs> I didn't think I had those this year. So Put to banner up. <laughs> producer Clark, we have no idea, man. That's just the reality. Goalies are the, like, I have no guesses on goalies. Well, and we, I and don't. to be fair to us too, we don't watch Stuart Skinner play the game either. How dare no, you. but we fall, we but we follow enough that we should be able to pull off someone's, uh, someone else's report. We've watched or read a bunch of a couple other things. Yeah. We usually have a, but it's a goaltender and, like Bag Milk said, man, they're voodoo. I've tried to stop getting off the which goaltender should start. So nobody half, here so. is saying he has Vesna potential. No. <laughs> I'm saying he okay. doesn't. You can't. You can't rule that out. Oh, Rick, we said we have Rick saying it first. Yeah. So Rick Vesna is on potential. record as saying I'm Vesna not, I am not ruling out at least one Vesna for him in his career. I will not. Somebody you can put, it, put it down. You can put it down. I will not rule out one Vesna for him in his career. There you go. Ask the idiots for another week. Send us your questions. If you want to be included in the segment, we're going to do it weekly, provided that we have questions. Hit us up, ON Radio Podcast, Twitter and Instagram, or on any of our personal socials as well. Tyler, time to get your buttons ready, my friend. It is time for the Deuce Vodka Hot and Cold Performers of the Week. Bring it on, Tyler. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you head on over to deucevodka.com forward slash find us, the first thing you will see on your page is a handsome picture of Brett Kissel standing by a lake in the mountains. It's beautiful. He's holding a bottle of Deuce Vodka. But there's also a store locator there. If you're looking for a cocktail this weekend, 
I encourage you to give it a try. Maybe you want to try a Neon Nation bomb, just like our friend Brad Stepenko. Maybe. The store leg locator will help you get there. DeuceVodka.com, all the info you need. If you're in Saskatchewan, reach out to sales at DeuceVodka.com. And don't forget to ask your local retailers to carry it as well. As we do each week, gentlemen, we start with our veggies and the cold performers of the week. Tyler, is your cold performer about Dan? Like, is it a cold performer or is it a hot performer? I want to I want to get the fight started. Am I am I going first for cold performers? Tyler, yeah, cold performer of the week. The fans in Montreal who were flipping cop cars and doing all that absolute nonsense. Listen, I understand it's a bit of a joke to be like, ah, it's a Canadian tradition. You're in the cup final and you riot a little bit. You do some damage <laughs> to public property. You mess with some cop cars. That's what we do. But like, can we just like climb Don't the light do it when you win though? Well, or lose, but like, you know, climb the light <laughs> poles, set up That's fireworks, cool. set up fireworks in the street, do a bunch of stuff. But do we really have to like, vandalize cars that are parked on the side of the street. Like, I don't know. I just think that whole thing is a, is a little bit lame and like find cooler ways to celebrate and, and don't be flipping things and lighting stuff on fire. Montreal police make 15 arrests. Like don't get arrested just cause your team's in the cup <laughs> final. Cause now those like, are rookie numbers. You got to pump yeah, that average pump up. up. Yeah, Regardless. I, I just think it's, I think it's really, really dumb. So the Habs fans were doing dumb shit in the street. You got my cold performer of the week. <laughs> Uh, okay, so oil not- had a great tweet last night where the, the, the car flipping had started and the fires and whatever. And he just said, ah, yes, nature is healing. And it is. <laughs> I, well, that's the best part. The 3,500 fans inside the arena walked out to 80,000 fans outside <laughs> the arena and uh, chaos ensued. Dan, you're next up. Deuce Vodka, Cold Form of the Week. Uh, well, I'm scared now how Tyler's is going to break down into a hot performer, <laughs> but uh, my cold performer of the week is going to be one former NHL goaltender, Brian Boucher, who just wanted to be the fun police. Everybody that is anybody that is watching hockey right now can see that there's an issue with referee and Brian Boucher for some unknown reason decided he was going to be one of the guys that's just going to tell everybody to stop whining and shut up because it's playoff hockey. And that's just not going to happen, Brian. It's it's time that the league starts to change. Actually, it probably is going to happen. Let's be honest. We're all going to back off of this, and we won't talk about it until next playoff run, and we'll have the same conversation. But for right now, let people be mad. Let people be frustrated. Brian Boucher, you're my Deuce Vodka Cold Performer of the Week. Worst. Rick, you're next up. Deuce Vodka Cold Performer. Uh, there's, there's more than just one. I'm going to give it to the entire top six for the Vegas Knights. <laughs> and I could probably, you know, they could probably extend it more than just a week. Like I, I don't have their numbers in front of me, but I think stone went what like uh, one goal in 12 games or something like that. And five or six games with no points. And he had a stat line yesterday of after the two periods was, uh, all zeros. Um, I really wanted to find that, uh, I can't remember what Raptors coach it was, but he was all, Sam Mitchell, I think he's all angry in a press conference once. And he's like, a stat line is zero, 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 zero. Like it's, it was hilarious, but no, that whole, that top six, you got you let your team down. Sorry. You, you let a team that was a lesser team beat you guys. Cause you guys didn't show up. So the top six, you're the cold performer of the week. Are you thrilled? I'm not. I was also going to say the same thing for my cold performer of the week. So now I'm scrambling. A little oh, bit. do it. Do I'm, it again. <laughs> I'm vamping. Give it to Tyler for not ripping on Dan. 
Like he's going to, he's going to pump his tires on the next part. I'm confused. That's about to happen. Yeah. You teased us a little bit. So, you know, actually, you know what? <laughs> I've got it. I've got it. My deuce vodka cold performer of the week is our boy was why? Because he reminded us all of Peter Shirelli's work from five years ago yesterday as like a throwback Thursday type item. I know I approved it was, I approved the post, but you made it, <laughs> you made it. You reminded all of us of how bad Peter Shirelli was as the Oilers GM. So Waz, I love you this week. Cold performer of the week. That's a joke. That's an absolute joke is what it is. All right. I'm trying again. Tyler, mm. you're my deuce vodka. Let your, I'm starting off hot performer of the week. Let's go. <laughs> we are quite often wrong in our predictions. And especially when it comes to the Stanley cup <laughs> oh. finals, we love to sit here and think like, oh, the best team will prevail. And we like to pretend that, you know, this grinding hockey, you know, like I just thought, you know, there's no way Montreal succeeds. There's no way the Islanders, it'll be Vegas, Tampa. They'll both be over quick. And Dan sat there, even though I chirped him for it and I ripped him and I said he was insane. He said, no, it will be the Habs and Islanders. And at this point, Dan, I don't even care if the Islanders win game seven tonight. I am giving you a ton of credit for going against the grain <laughs> and saying, fuck it all. Islanders Habs, you said mass chaos for your prediction, and you absolutely nailed it. Um, Put some respect on my name. I absolutely am, because you were right, and I was wrong. Dan was right. However, I would also say that what I hoped for last week was Montreal, the Islanders, and we made these predictions. I just didn't say that was my pick, so I'm giving myself partial marks. Thank you. Dan, you're next up. You're rebuttal. Dan, but you will you will only ever be my hot performer of the week again if Devin Dubnik has a nine twenty save percentage next year with the Oilers. Or as an Oilers. Nation Dan's next up. Deuce Vodka hot performer of the week. All right. Well, thank you, Tyler. That's uh, if you if you don't look at my bracket, that would be great because that's where the, all the predictions I wasted went. Uh, but uh, my hot performer of the week is going to go out to uh, the first NFL player in their history to be openly uh, gay while yeah. playing the game, Absolutely. while playing no. the game, while playing the game. No, yes. Michael, Michael Sam was coming he in. Was he was never on an active really, roster though. Yeah, he, he, never, never, yeah. Fair, he was yeah, okay. Fair, but he was still, he was a high draft pick of that, but nonetheless, you're yes. right down. My hot performer of the week is Carl Nassib. And I don't know if I'm saying that name correctly, completely, yep. but uh, for, for being a, being proud of who he is. Let's just, let's just say it how it is uh, in this pride month. It's super important for young men and women, young people of every gender to, uh, to see and hear this stuff and hear people that are just proud of who they are and they're, they're comfortable being that person. So that's, that's my hot performer of the week, Carl Nassib. You are it. I, I sorry, I'm on the wrong page here for the button. I wanted there we go. <laughs> Also, just to further Dan's point, Carl Nassib also donated $100,000 to the Trevor Project as well. So thank you. Uh, very, very, a lot of props to him this week. Uh, means the world to a lot of people. Uh, who's next? Rick, you're up. Deuce Vaga, hot form of the week. Well, much like I did to you, Dan did to me. So well done. Um, you know what? I look outside and I'm going to give props to this city. This beautiful city gets shit on when it comes to UFA time and whatever else stuff. But those who live here understand its beauty. Look outside. Go outside. We're about to have a fantastic summer, perhaps the hottest uh, hottest week we've ever had. So this is oh. this is to the city of Edmonton. Uh, she's beautiful. I love it. And I don't plan on leaving anytime soon. So Edmonton, you are the hot performer of the week. 
Jim Arby's boys. Wheels up. Ski, skirt. My Deuce Vodka hot performer of the week is going to Netflix for Sexy Beast coming up in July. Do you guys see that preview? No. Where people are <laughs> dressed boy, basically as furries going on. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It is the exact kind of trash show that I love to watch. And as soon as I saw <laughs> that preview come up yesterday, I was like, oh my God, I love this kind of bullshit TV. And then people know that I love this kind of bullshit TV. So I kept getting tagged and it's like, this is a show for you, bag milk. This is a show for you. And I'm like, it is a good show for me. So Netflix, thank you. But for real, I'm going to say my Deuce Vodka hot performer of the week is science because this morning before the podcast, I went and got vaccine number dose. And I think we're all, we're all, we all are, we're all tooed up. Are we? Everyone kiss each other through the screen. I got, pu- I got pushed back to Tuesday, but oh. I'm, I'm right there again. Don't worry. So Rick will get his on Tuesday, but the rest of us are all fully vaxxed. So my hot performer of the week is science. Thank you very much. Science. You know what time it is, y'all. The NHL is back. Yeah. I just have one more I wanted to give a shout out to. Sorry for jumping in on the soundbite there. Uh, Uh, But is the Edmonton Public School Board for naming uh, the new school in Keswick the Joey Moss School. That's that's awesome stuff. Absolutely. Um, Also, that is great news. We also got two new reviews for the podcast in the last week. Oh, go ahead. Uh, The first one from Travel Me Something. That's the name, something. Great sound, great pod. I might have hearing problems, but I don't even notice these crunching sounds. Thanks for helping us pass the time, (laughs) especially during the last year and a half. Keep the laughs coming and we'll keep coming back. Appreciate the shout out to the crunching sounds. I thought that was going to start off way worse. It sounded like a, here's what's good. And now here's what. Yeah, here comes the backhand. What's the second one? Uh, RCA72. Oilers Nation getting me through this long COVID summer. After another disappointing early early playoff exit, these guys talked me off the ledge and gave me a new glimmer of hope. Whether it was the hockey talk or just the random bullshit back and forth, they kept me engaged with each episode. If the crinkling sound of a beard on a mic bothers you, you may want to follow the flames. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Fuck yeah. If you want to leave us a review, we'll read it. We'll read it. Hit us up on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from. I want to know what you think. I want to know what you think. And also, Tyler, how do people leave a message? I know that's for real life, but yeah, like... Yeah. Um, so you go to speakpipe.com, speakpipe.com slash real life pod. And if you leave a message and just say, this is for Oilers Nation Radio, I'll get it and we'll play it on this pod. I didn't I'll check also, the inbox yet this week, though, so I'm sorry if I missed I'll one. I'll also include a link in the article for the podcast, OilersNation.com as well. So leave us a message. Get in on the podcast. We want to include you as much as we can. So leave us a message. Hit us up with a question for Ask the Idiots. And in the meantime, tell everybody around you about Oilers Nation Radio. Brand new episodes coming out every single Friday, no matter what's going on. Sometimes we'll stop and have a little baseball chat in the middle of the podcast. Because sometimes pitchers be taking their clothes off, you know? It is what it is. Mm, all of us here on the podcast, I'm Bag Milk, Rick, Tyler, and Dan, and our friends at Sherwood Ford, Skip the Dishes, Cornerstone Insurance, and Deuce Vodka. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening every Friday. Thank you for helping this podcast grow, even though there is nothing going on with the Edmonton Oilers right now. It's really amazing. Every month, Tyler sends out a little report with all the podcast numbers. And this show is growing nicely. And that's all because of you welcoming us into your ear holes and letting us massage your little brains throughout the weekend. Thank you very much. 
This is Oilers Nation Radio. Have a great weekend, everybody. Shout out, Matej Blumel. Best wishes. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up, because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Face-Off Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes, because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.